Hey fam, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company. It's a podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKeegan Voice. Today I spoke with Jamie Reddington, an artist and builder who operates under the moniker Sound of Fractures. The North London native is also a co-founder of the collective Wild Awake, a music project focused on building scenes that uses Web3 technology. We talked about the importance of creating scenes, reorienting our mindset around music's inherent value, and growing a project by speaking with people one by one. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Jamie, it's great to have you here. Hey. So, yeah, me and Jamie just learned that we're basically neighbors, both living in Hackney, which is yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> it's not very common in this kind of world. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, as usual with these things, I like to start at the beginning and, and just get a sense of who you are, where you're from, and you know when your relationship with music started, and then work our way forward from there. Big question. Um, I guess, I mean, I'm, the easy part is I'm from London. I'm born and raised in London. Um, I've always been here. Um, but my music relationship, I mean, both my parents worked in music, at least mm. until I was young, and then they moved into other things. So another person who grew up in a household, you know, of music and always wanted to work in music, despite mm. my parents telling me never to work in music. <laughs> um, I'm the only one in my family that didn't listen and ended <laughs> up doing music. Um, yeah, I've always played instruments. I guess I never really found my place, right? Like I played in bands. Um, I played different instruments growing up. And then as a sort of late teens, I kind of found my home in the form of a sampler. Um, mm. A friend of mine was a drum bass. A friend of mine's brother was a drum bass producer, and we used to sit in the room while he made beats um, and play PlayStation. And you know cool. that was that was how it started, right? Like we used to make beats at the time. There wasn't many people, you know, because we made indie music to start with, playing guitars and making beats. And because of that, we stood out a little bit back then. And and me and a, a very close friend of mine were like a production duo, and we made hip hop. That was our thing, man. Like we just made rap music for years. Like that was kind of how it all started for me. Um, and got pulled into pop music for a while, did that for quite a long time. And I guess over that period, the, the main story was just that it just felt like it wasn't for me. You know, like I made a lot of music that never came out. I found that quite hard. Mm. Um, my friends still do it. They're very successful, but it just didn't suit the way that I made music. I was quite emotionally involved in the process and the output. Mm. Um, and just started to feel very disconnected from it, right? Like you write 300 songs a year, maybe a couple of them come out and that's successful, right? Like a couple of them come out and do well, then that's great, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's very draining, it's very intensive. Mm -hmm. It's very like networking heavy. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you know, I kind of did everything from different angles. I like developed artists. I was signed as a writer, producer. I was signed as an artist at one point in time. Um, I just kind of reached burnout. The short, that's the short version of the story, right? Is that just, you know, there was a period in time where there was health problems that I had due to sort of being in the studio all the time. I guess like mental stress, I didn't really know it at the time, but that mm -hmm. kind of, as a producer, it's really hard. Like, you know, you wake up, you start ideas, the person comes, you work on them, they leave, you edit the vocals, you mix down a demo, you send it off, you make new ideas for the next day. And when it's going well, it's super exciting, right? But when mm. you've done it a lot, 
um it's a lot um yeah so i kind of came out of it thinking about like what what am i in this for and how do i refocus that a lot of life things happened a little little girl lockdown Congrats. happened thank you all around that time and i started to kind of ask those questions of like what am i doing this for if it's not really exciting and fun right. you know why what's the point um so I started Sound of Fractures. You know, I'd been making music in the side a lot. A lot of my friends were always like, when are you going to do your own project? Um, and that's when it started. You know, I had some downtime. I was lucky to have made some records and some stuff for TV and bits and bobs that were kind of helping me, my life tick over. And I just cancelled everything and started doing the Sound of Fractures stuff and found some other ways to make work. Um, make work work right like i do a bit of lecturing a couple of days a week um i do some stuff for tv and film and that kind of allowed me to have like two three days a week just for the music i love and that's been the journey of the last two years hmm. cool thank you for sharing i'm curious going back to um to your parents advice of don't get involved in this industry <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm curious like what their jobs were what their you know, their advice to you was and and how often you thought about that during, you know, some of the more difficult times where you weren't necessarily finding enjoyment in the work that you were doing in music. It's, it's been hugely influential for different reasons, right? Like my mum was working at Island Records, which is kind of the story mm -hmm. that I've learned over time, right? Like I wasn't really aware of it when I was young, but my mum was working at Island Records, which at that time was an incredible place, right? You know, she was head of international, I think, when she quit. But she cool. quit when when I was two years old. And she quit because she wasn't seeing me enough, right? And when I speak to her about it now, we're always like, how did you quit that job? Um, and she's just like, you know, it's not, it wasn't compatible and I wanted to see you guys, right? Like I couldn't get home before seven, eight o'clock. Um, you know, there was an expectation to be at concerts, to be around, and I wanted to be present. and. She quit that and started a little business from home. Um, and that has been a big factor in the last few years for me because it really, you know, that's been massive for my life, right? Like her being present for me um, and giving up something that everyone covets so much, um, which I'm sure, you know, she still thinks about what would happen if I didn't quit that job. Right. Um, well, my, my dad carried on working in the industry and he was a radio plugger um, in a different world to what I did. Right. So it didn't really have any. It didn't really have any like benefits to me other than that I had that like privileged advantage of like understanding the language of the music industry rather than mm. like actual contacts that benefited me in any way. But, you know, like I went to concerts, you know, he got free CDs. I went to the I used to go to the office when I was a kid. Um, and that just kind of gives you that kind of tool set to understand how to navigate it, I guess. But, you know, as a radio plugger, my dad came from a generation where he just wanted to be a radio plugger. And that was what he did. And that's what he was great at. And that's what he loved. And the industry changed. And the industry expects you to then become the head of radio and mm. then or start your own company or, you know, move up. And if you don't do those things, then that demand for like young people um pushes you out the door and he you know he had a lot of jobs which is just normal for the music industry right like he right, moved around right. a lot of places but for my as a family like my mum and my dad were constantly my dad was constantly in and out of work 
there was periods where he, once he broke his leg, you know, like he was out, he couldn't walk for a long time. And my mum had to work two jobs to make up the money. And that was the background <laughs> of them being like, more just like, don't trust the music industry, right? Like it's, right. Not, a, it's not a stable place for you to build a life, you know, like they're, they're, they're not looking out for you, right? Like as soon as they're done with you, they'll, they'll drop you, I guess, right. Right. which is, you know, true in many ways. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, it's a it's a capricious place. The infamous they, right? But it's the same in all creative industries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We are also part of the they, I guess. Yeah, in, in a way, it's just sort of this giant no name monster. Um, I mean, how true is that, Ben? I'm, you know, since you've you know you've just had you know a child, and you know, you know, are you thinking about these things like? You know your mom making decisions about about her career it's like in order to see more of you and like the industry that you can't trust is terrible they you know are you thinking about these things in the context of what is now your nuclear family every day yeah yeah mm. every day i mean even doing the sound of fracture stuff you know and especially the web3 stuff you know being present mm -hmm. and showing up and right. maintaining um yeah, maintaining your presence in these kind of like scenes and spaces is a lot of work in itself, right? And it's yeah. it's when you're excited about it too, right? You just find it hard to switch that button off at the end of the day. Your phone's right there. It's, you know, complicated. It's also why I started, you know, I took this role doing something that I still love, right? Like speaking about music and helping young people build careers in music around music, I like to say, rather than in it, because I'm not sure what in it means anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that, that highlights it even more, right? Because I'm around all these young people who are just starting out on their journey, and I'm very aware. It feels like a big weight of responsibility from someone who's been through so many ups and downs to sort of, right. you know, it's very easy to be a YouTuber where you can sell the dream, right? And sort of be like, get yeah. streams this way or do these things. But, but we know that that doesn't actually build a career, especially not like one that could last more three to four or five years. We, we don't know that yet, but we don't, you know, we haven't seen much evidence of that and it's, it's getting harder and harder. So yeah, I think about it a lot. It's why I maintain these other things in my life. And I think they also empower me to build a project that can keep growing for the next five, 10 years. You know, like I look at people like Fortet and think, hmm. you know, that's, that's, or, you know, or Bonobo or people that are kind of like build sustainable careers that maybe the trajectory wasn't super fast at the beginning, but it's, you know, that's what I'm interested in, you know, like, uh, yeah. music being a part of my life for a long period of time, um, rather than burning out in the first bit. Yeah. I hear you. I, yeah. I think about, you know, a lot, the, the importance of, you know, being resilient in you know, in this space. And I mean, I have to wake up every morning and just be like, just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Because it really does require that level of commitment, that level of energy and going through a lot of bullshit along the way to hopefully get to a point of sustainability where you can put right. in a little less effort and time and energy and be more selective in the things that you do, the music that you make, the projects that you're involved right. in. That's sort of the goal, right? Right. That, I mean, that's a lot of what um, the work that I'm doing at the moment is about, right? It's like trying to re deconstruct and rethink about like what music as an experience is for creators and, and listeners and everyone, right? Like 
you know, I'm interested in experimenting around like the value we get from the experience and how we think differently about those mm -hmm. things, right? You know, when the numbers go up, that's great, but I don't know if that is like, you know, we're still so early into like technology and even streaming, right? Like it, it's still not providing the sustainable kind of system that mm -hmm. the amount of people who want to make music can do. And maybe, and you know, arguably maybe it shouldn't, right? Because not everybody can do this thing, but right. if not everybody can do this thing, like why are we only talking about what it is possible for 1% of people to do? Why aren't we thinking more about how this thing can be more universal and more enjoyable and more long-term and more beneficial and gratifying for more people and, and i'm really interested in that idea yeah it's a really interesting take and and, and it's it's like um this is also something i've been thinking about a lot recently and and because it's 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 easy you know this is like a statistic that i use a lot you know in my writing this this kind of one percent of people you know within the streaming paradigm are, are able to make a career out mm -hmm. of their music and it's one percent of not just the people who are who are invested in their careers as musicians it includes like you, you know all the hobbyists who are also sure. putting their music on places like spotify like that you know one of the things that's come with you know the ease of access to digital audio workstations digital distributions like anybody can put anything online onto a place like right. spotify very very quickly um the issue is that that every piece of music is treated the same way, regardless of how much right. effort you're put in you put into that music, you know. Well, we plug it into this like concept, right? Like everything's mm. plugged into this single concept of of what this thing is and mm. what that creates. I mean, the, the reality is just too many people can create music, right? Like, and that's okay. There's just too many people to be able to sustain careers. But I think that the issue isn't that the issue is the approach, right? Is the expectations. Um, and if I think what I talk about with, um, my friend Martin, who you've spoken to before, mm -hmm. who I'm doing a lot of work with at the moment from mm -hmm. music X and auto music Academy and things mm -hmm. is building like ecosystems around musicians, you know, like it can be small ecosystem, right? It could be mm -hmm. a few people contributing to your career, helping you build something or, you know, getting something from the relationship they have with you as an artist through their love of music. And mm -hmm. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but like when I, you know, when I'm around like young people, I am thinking a lot about changing the language, right? Because people are focused on this singular thing of like what brings you success. And, and that thing of success might be a million streams, right? It might be 10 million streams, but even that isn't sustainable, right? To 10 million streams, I mean, let's say if you do a million streams a month after tax it's, it's not even minimum wage it's not enough to live in london and you've got to do a million streams a month 12 months a year for eight for like 60 years <laughs> you know like is that really is that really realistic obviously yeah. you can sell merch you can do gigs you can do all these different things mm -hmm. but i think that 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 singular focus on this thing has to come first and the rest follows is right. is harming everyone's sort of experience of of music you know being a part of music yeah i agree uh it's, it's sort of the end all be all it's either you know your streaming metrics or or like your follower metrics on places like instagram 
or TikTok. And uh, when that becomes the end all be all, it's just a race to the bottom. And it's... It is. But it's safe. That's something I've realized recently, yeah. trying to sort of bring new artists into the, onto using the blockchain, is that it's it, there's a list of things to do. You can do it. You can feel like this thing could happen any minute. It's like gambling, mm -hmm. right? Like you feel right. like this thing is always just like one decision away, one piece of luck away, one person away from turning around. And mm -hmm. you have this system and you go through the routine and you do it every release. Um, and the, and the end product of that is like, you usually get to a point where you just walk away from it or you fall out of love with it. And mm -hmm. that is something that, yeah, I think, I think people, we used to talk about a lot more earlier on in, in people's exploration of music is that, you know, I do know people who've had that five years of glory and bought a house, hmm. right. And invested money and and had a lovely life for a long time but they still have to build a new life after that it's like um footballers right you know like it the career is not long right they have these people have to go and do something afterwards so right. um yeah i think that is really interesting and that's i also think why it's like i'm really interested in collectives and communities and belonging to things because the thing can have its own life and last and you can you can come in and out of it you don't have to be present for it the whole time right i think this is a good segue to you know to talk about wild awake um it's because i'm really interested in this in this in this project and you know in general this sort of exploration of how how do we empower niche in a way that is can be templatized can be brought to some type of relative scale that people can tap into right um like i was talking to you know to someone the other day about this idea of like what what is like the independent cafe like what what does shopping local look like on the internet you know yeah i love that and um and it's obviously possible we do this in the real world like people buy things from amazon but there are small independent stores in your neighborhood that continue to yeah. thrive and do interesting things and there's a lot of things involved with that whether it's yeah your connection to the people there the stories the you know whatever it may be that resonates yeah. with with you um so how do we get that to the internet <laughs> and uh right i feel like wild awake is a is a cool experiment that is 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 pursuing a world like that so i'd love to you know hear if you know first if you, if you could introduce the project and just talk a little bit about what you're doing sure so Wild Awake, we describe as a scene building experiment. We describe it as many things because in a way it's like a vehicle to experiment with many things, you know, like a digital home for people who share a love of, you know, like alternative electronic music, which is kind of the world that I, you know, exist in. Um, and I guess it's, you know, it has a, it has a simple mission to start out with, which is that we're onboarding artists. We're supporting them in that process. We're bringing, you know, people who love music and collectors and just anyone who's interested to be a part of that journey and go through that journey together to ex sort of experiment with what that process feels like. We, um, we're kind of combining all the things that we find interesting in, into this idea. And that includes bringing value to music, you know, like we believe music should hold value. And that is very hard to do in the systems that people are used to using, you know, the, the current streaming model. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, you know, the, the easy thing to do is to slam Spotify, but you know, that 
that experience isn't a great user experience other than it serves you stuff, right? But it's not a very emotional experience and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can do better, right? And I think that we're trying to experiment with what that can be. But there are limitations to, with the technology, but we are building out this community around bringing these artists on chain, um, sharing music, sharing experiences. And I guess at the heart of the concept is this idea that Wild Awake as a, a meme, you know, like that word is felt uncomfortable to me a lot at first, but like it now it feels like it makes more sense can carry some of the burden for everybody you know like we missed i missed you know the birth of some of my favorite labels like mm. i don't know like, i reference ninja tune a lot and mm. xl and places that definitely have like a ethos and identity without having like a single lane sonically and i think that is really interesting to me and i i missed all that and i think it's most people did and most people continue to because of the way the world fits together. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm interested in how we can create something that's cool and has like cultural value with people and do it together. And, you know, I believe that people will, when they discover it, will want to be a part of that. And in doing so, we can empower artists. We can help people who want to support artists feel more connected to the process. And this thing, you know, this meme, Wild Awake, discovering and exploring things together, um, I think can carry some of the burden. It can, people can dip in, they can dip out. New artists can come in. It can do different things, right? It could curate club nights. It could curate a gallery. It could be a DAO. It could be a, I don't know. It could have a treasury and do grants. I don't know what it, you know, the list goes on and on because I don't think we should be limited. I mean, people like to say it's a web three label, which, mm -hmm on the very surface, it can look like that. And I don't have a massive issue with that, but that's not how we refer to it. You know, we don't take any income from the artists. Um, we are just growing with them and experimenting with them and trying to bring people in around that. And, you know, a Web3 label is an interesting way to start a conversation because then I can explain why it's not that. Um, <laughs> but we do need a framework that people understand and people understand that um so that's kind of yeah whenever i talk about it i try to think about like how i can better articulate the different things that it encapsulates and we have a mirror page where um martin leads the writing a lot of the time based on our ideas um and we try to do that often because it's an it's a thought experiment and it's a real experiment and all the things we talked about with streaming was making me think about it, right? Because loneliness is the other thing we talk about a lot is this kind of experience of throwing things online, following the rules, not getting anything back, being a listener and just going to that black, you know, that black page of Spotify right. and being served things in a way they control and data in a way they control. And it doesn't, I think we're getting tired of that. I think everyone's getting a bit tired of that or losing interest might be the more realistic way to talk mm -hmm. about it. And, and I don't believe that's a good thing. <laughs> so <laughs> we're interested in exploring what's an alternative, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and I love the open-ended nature of it as, as well, as I guess is, you know, it's, it's an experiment and, and you want to allow the contours of, of that experiments to kind of take their natural course. Mm. Um, 
But at this point, you've you know you've started to release a couple things through Wild Awake with a couple different artists, and I'm curious to hear how that experience has been, both for you and Martin as as kind of the people who are who are enabling this this project, and you you know as well as for those artists, and if through these initial these initial releases you've you've started to like like has that affected your vision for what wild awake can and will eventually become i think it's like an ebb and flow right i mean firstly it's kind of grown it was an idea that was kind of in my head that i discussed with martin which you know he became a part of it and you know i talked about it some platforms and some people because i was looking for some support to try and experiment with this idea and token tracks a company in the uk um have been really supportive and helped us kind of build it our friend kat bassett who is part of water and music has also come on board to help us and then we've got to this point now where um we're starting to put the music out and i think I've never onboarded people who haven't come to the blockchain when they're ready. And that has been a really eye-opening experience of their own accord. You know, like I've been coming to people and saying, look, just give me a moment here. I'm going to tell you about this thing. <laughs> um, and that's been really eye-opening because it really reminds you how complex and confusing so much of it is, especially when you're used to just like one single way of doing things. So that's been the first like challenge for us is like, Oh, okay. Right. Like we have to really take our time here. We have to be careful and caring and we have to like build trust and we have to trust them to like, you know, experiment in their own way in their own time. And they have to trust us because we're just saying, yeah, just do, just do this thing. <laughs> like you'll get it as you do it. Um, mm -hmm. which some of the elements you have to do, you know, like I need you just to go and make a wallet. This is how you do it. And then we're going to get online together. We're going to talk about it. And we realized we couldn't do it through guides. We had to be face to face on chats and we had to do right. it together. And we had, and I think that's what we wanted to do, right? Learn as a community um, or as a group. And that has been the first step. I think phase two has been how do you find people that might be interested in this thing, hmm. right? In, in the mess of the internet and, the mess, the mess of competing narratives, which is one of the hardest things with the blockchain, right? Is sure. that you're you're in this big mess of competing narratives and you're communicating through platforms that are built to reward certain narratives, you know, like mm -hmm. algorithmically. Right. <laughs> which I'm trying to like I always want to write down what I just said because that's kind of what the problem is, <laughs> right? Like, is that is that, you know, I don't know what the word is, but like clickbait or like hot takes mm -hmm. is what the system is set up to reward, right? Because right. it's set up right. to reward interaction and and uh, and debate and mm. arguments because that's what makes people snap out of their scrolling. Mm -hmm. um, so you're kind of competing against all that stuff. And when you're just trying to build something that you feel has like genuine intentions and value, that is harder to communicate than you would expect because it doesn't have the same ring to it as this person just made the equivalent of a million streams, right? Yeah. Which is, it's just good. It's good news, but you know, and every each to each their own, but it hasn't, we haven't wanted that to be our approach. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of the ongoing challenge. It will be the ongoing challenge. I mean, 
Martin recently um, coined a line that we're using all the time, which is that all we're asking for you as someone in this community is to get one more person excited about Wild Awake. Mm. And that's really focused me back in again on mm. just like, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I just want to, I want to make you feel something. And we had like, we had a listening party three weeks ago for mm. all the people in the group where the artists talked about their journey a bit and their experience of starting this journey and played their music and talked about their music. And it was genuinely emotional. Like I felt myself almost like welling up at times because mm. it was people talking about the thing they love with other people in the room, listening, excited about it. We were talking to each other's faces. And after that, it was before we'd done anything on, you know, put anything open to collect. It was just, I was like, I, that's it. That was it. That's the thing that we're trying to capture. Mm. It would be an amazing thing to do if we can bring value to some of these musicians experience by like introducing them, helping them find people that value their work and help support them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the human connection is really at the center of it and everything else kind of, I hope will come up, come next. Yeah. That's really beautiful to hear. And I'm happy that, that you had that connective moment. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, you know, the emotional narrative, the emotional connection is, is really the core of, of, of everything. Once you have that, then you can build and cultivate that in, in all kinds of different directions. Right. You know? If I can get people in the room to feel that, then it's the same as hearing a record you love, right? But you, you have to draw them into the space long enough to have that moment where they're like, you know, where they fall in love with the song or fall in love with the project. I mean, this is uh, such a necessary evolution, I think, in the space that we're in. I think people have known for a long time that the, the, the industry as it is, is not, is not sustainable and it's not built to, to support these, this type of connection. I think about this conversation I had with, with this, this experimental guitarist, Elliot Sharp, it was during, you know, the early days of the pandemic and just, you know, sort of commiserating about like the loss of public spaces and, and, and being able to be together. And, and he, he talked about the importance of public spaces um, as, a, as a means of, of, of connection and this idea of um, you have to be in the same space. I mean, in this case, it can be digital as well, but like, you know, he took it a step further to like being in these shared spaces and there's like this certain sort of chemical mixing and he called it a pheromonal handshake right. of like of like actual, there's something that needs to happen to connect with somebody. We don't have record shops and stuff anymore, right? Like right, I used to go right. to a place called like Black Market Records in London when I was too young to be out in London on my own. And I remember just like, just like the feeling of that place, right? Like it's like all these people that are like my idols buying records and listening to music together and the energy and those places still exist, but like mm. we are maybe disconnected more from them. We find them harder to find. There is definitely, you know, not as many. When you were talking about that, there's a, there's a great book by Emma Warren called Make Some Space. And it's about mm. a place in Hackney that oh. was, um, a venue where for experimental jazz and they still do things, but it's an amazing book about this venue that became this like cultural hub for like a whole movement. And I think when we were talking about wild awake, we were talking a lot about the creation of scenes, right? Where it's not, it's not a music collective. It's not five people trying to build a music career, bouncing off each other. It's a shared experience through like a love 
or an ethos or a belief. And that's what brings people together. It can be accountants, it can be bar managers, it can be, you know, anyone, photographers, artists, just normal, just anyone, you know, people who love music. The people that we need to reach are not like fitting in these cool musician boxes, right? That's not who I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach my friends. I'm trying to reach just anyone who loves music, right? And and I want to break down that idea of like the people who are seen as valuable in, in like music, you know, they're the people we really need. They get overlooked, you know, right? They don't get the feeling that they deserve from the investment they make into music. And maybe that's why they invest less money in music because they're not presented with things that feel like worthy and, and I don't know, like bring value to their lives. They would rather, like we said, go and spend four pounds on a coffee at the posh coffee shop down the road that does vegan pastries that cost four pounds. And yet people will still be like, oh, $10 for a music NFT. That's crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? But they'll spend yeah. that every day on, you know, stuff they don't need. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, whatever we spend a month on Amazon Prime and Netflix and Apple and Disney and newspapers and substacks. And they're all things of value, right? But But for some reason, music has fallen fallen by the wayside and and vinyl has kind of been an argument for why it shouldn't do but mm -hmm. vinyl costs a lot of money for musicians to make and it's it's physical and it's big and it's complex and it takes a long time and you need upfront money and it's a big investment and the blockchain is offering different solutions and there are other great things bandcamp is great there are other platforms right but they are still not artist owned and yeah we should have at least one set of tools in this big matrix of tools that is something that we have more ownership over, more control over, um, and that we can put more value in and people can't take away from us. I agree. Um, yeah, it feels like music has just been sort of co-opted into this platformization that has just, you know, flattened everything. Um, and, you know, there's a general... You know, again, in the same conversation where I mentioned, uh, you know, what does like the indie cafe experience of the internet look like? It's like we're, you know, we're going to shop at the same, you know, same five stores, you know, every day. We 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 go to Google, we go to Amazon. You know, it's like like the same thing as going to Walmart, essentially. Sure. And we're doing that every day, and and music has been flattened into this the same kind of experience and it doesn't matter right like it is it's become like a background service and yeah. i don't think it really feels like that to a lot of people because they still find things they connect with but it's harder for them to find those things when they do find those things they drift away from them quickly because there's no real like i don't know there's no like um there's no like real like way to anchor yourself to something or maybe it's, it's that thing you talked about about like that uh, pheromonal connection, but there's no like, there's there's no kind of sense of belonging, and and that is just a byproduct of of many changes. But that's just you know where we are. It's harder to forge that feeling of belonging and and connection because of the way we consume everything in our lives. Um, and the best way to do that is it seems what we found is 
our strongest tool is word of mouth, is to try and create this for the people here. And I'm hoping it won't be all on us, you know, like I'm trying to encourage anyone to come forward with ideas of how we can build and how we can adapt and what we can do. And it will only work if people start to do that. And if we can't create an environment that, or foster an environment, I should say, like that makes people feel they want to do that, then we're not doing it right. Um, and I guess that's, yeah, I guess having these conversations makes you realize things, right? You have to have these face-to-face -face conversations to work through these ideas. And it's kind of how it was all born, right? It was me and Martin talking. And, and before that, for my project, I've got a really amazing group of people who've become my friends that I met through them collecting my music and having mm. conversations like this with cool. them about ideas I'd had, had led me to releasing music the way that I did on chain. Um, and I'm trying to stick with that, but it's hard in the noise, right? You know, you still get someone with, you know, 4,000 mints and that just takes over because all of a sudden people are like, it's a lifeboat. And mm -hmm. it's a lifeboat because so many people in the ecosystem rely on VC capital to pay their bills. So it's, it's mm -hmm. understandable. It's not, a. it's totally understandable the same way that people vilify A&R people. My friends are A&R people. They're just mm -hmm. people who love music, who've worked yeah. for 20 years, sacrificed everything to get a job near the thing they love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't walk out the door and sign loads of stuff they love. That's not how it works, right? They, right. Have, to, they have to put food on the table and they have to please the people in the system. And I think it's the same. I think understanding and um, keeping the at the forefront of your mind that everyone on the other and on the other end of everything is a human being, right? Like right. trying to build a thing. Um, and maybe that's why Wild Awake can be different because it has flexibility. It's not a platform, right? It doesn't have to exist in one place. It doesn't have to mm -hmm. serve one type of person. And I'm hoping that that allows it to be a place where people can come from all these different worlds and, and congregate through you know, their passion without there being these kind of tension points. But, you know, at the end of the day, it still has to hit markers for people to care, you know, right. things selling, people being, the, what matters to me is that the artists get things out of it and that it grows and it allows more people to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, we live in a capitalist society and we have to, you know, speak the language sometimes, even when we don't want to. Or mm. we try really hard not to. You know, we go against the grain as often as we possibly can, um, because I just think you have to be different. And there's many things out there already doing it a certain way. And I hope that that leaves space for us to do it our way. And I still use lots of platforms. I have friends in these places and the ecosystem. And I, I the more that they grow, the better, the more space it makes for things. I say things a lot because I don't know the word, but like <laughs> things new things, places, locate digital locations. Um, we use that word quite a lot, right? Like a digital home, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think that um, you know, don't hate the player. You know, hate the game comes to mind. Is like yeah. you know, I think it's a really important reminder that we live in a system that is is its own machine and has its its own machinations that like 
at the individual level, we can't really do anything to, to affect. Um, but through intention and like this an intention as Wild Awake is doing this, this kind of intentional pushback and sort of a reorientation of what, what success you know, looks like, um, I think is really important too, because we're, it's so ingrained in us to think about, you know, success in these very standard metrics of um, user growth and, you know, revenue um, over certain periods of time. Um, I, I mean, we could continue to abstract this further and further across the layers. You, you, you know, you brought up like the VC capital, and I know once you get on the VC train, it's very, it's very hard to to leave. Um, but you know, I think projects like this that are trying to be a bridge to something else, to a different way of being, you know, I love the intentionality of not uh, using explicitly capitalistic language and that that feels important. Um, it's a measuring hard progress. Thing to find in different ways, right? Like when yeah. you were talking about it, it made me think it's almost like, um, the trusting, we just did a piece about trust. I think that's huge because it's almost like therapy in the sense it's like when the artists start talking about how hard it's been in the current climate, you can see this like weight lifted off them. That I'm saying mm. this out loud to other people that are agreeing. And by saying this, it's not like an admissal of defeat, right? It's not like an admission that this isn't going to work. Right. It's okay to say this and it can still work and this can still be a part of my life. And I could say this out loud. And I think a space to like have that be yourself and have those conversations and talk about these things is increasingly more what it's become. Mm. You know, like it, it that's kind of the bond at the moment is that we've said these things out loud, almost like a group therapy session. Hmm. Um and Web3 is a little bit like that, right? A lot of musicians sure. coming in being like, that yeah. thing was horrible. Like, I don't necessarily think that it's the the Holy Grail and it's in um in the kind of the go-to clickbait forms that are often presented, mm. but, you know, hopefully it will be. Who knows? I don't think, that, I don't have clear answers, but like you say, if we can create this space or this thing, this vehicle, this home, then that will feel way more rewarding, even than sometimes just doing my own music, right? It just, mm. it has life in it and more value to me and yeah i hope we can i hope we can continue to build and grow and and find people who want to support it and be a part of it yeah me too i, I will reiterate as as i said earlier keep keep going <laughs> help someone for just one person yeah that's all you need to do help that's one person great... discover the idea and talk to them about it and right. that's a huge piece of progress for us right if that someone feels confident enough just to say if you're interested in this, check out this thing. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of what we're asking of people. Yeah, uh, and that feels that feels within reach, feels accessible, and uh, that feels like a good good moment of of hope to leave things on. Um, <laughs> I just have one more question for Go you for that that um, I ask everybody at the end of these. You're going to a desert island. You get to bring three records with you. What are they? Oh man, you put me on the spot right at the end there. Yeah, I, I can I can go with just like um, just. I mean, I go with simple 
classic sometimes that I know just like every track mm. is a solid for me. Um, the easy ones are the ones that go way back, right? There's probably lots of sure. current music that I would take with me that I'm forgetting, but um, Axis Bold of Love by Jimi Hendrix is like a record nice. that has a lot of emotional value to me because I've discovered it through my mother, um, her love of Jimi Hendrix. And again, I, I always think of Talking Book by Stevie Wonder because that's mm. a record that I discovered through my dad. Mm. Um, and contemporary records, do you know what? I'm just, I would probably have to put a Frank Ocean record in there. Nice. Um, which one is just really hard, but I'll just go with the beginning, which was Nostalgia Ultra um, mm. for me. But strangely, there's no electronic music records in there in that selection, I've just realized. But huh. to me, like electronic music pulls from all those places. Sure. Um, and they are records that I always go, that stay in my memory for having every single track having like a meaning to me. Mm. Um, and I'll probably think of like five more after we finish and say, ah. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's sort of the point. It's yeah, it's it's an impossible question, but I think sure. I, th I think you picked a good trio, um, some good vibes on on your island. <laughs> um, yeah, cool, Jamie. Uh, well, this is this has been a really you know really great conversation, and uh, yeah, I mean, really appreciate you being here. Before we take off, you know, for the people listening, what's the best way for for them, you know, to follow along or get involved with what you're doing? Um, I guess the most active place is is Twitter at the moment, but um, you can find me at so fractures, so short for Sound of Fractures and Wild Awake World, which is the Wild Awake pages, and just DM me. That's how we're starting it. Have a conversation, DM me, say hello, um, come and join the Wild Awake community, collect an artist piece of work, support an artist. Um, uh, yeah, come and support musicians. Come and help us build something different have one less coffee a week <laughs> and come and be a part of something meaningful. Cool. Yeah, go do it. And yeah, thanks again, Jamie. It's been really great. Uh, wishing you the best of luck as, as you continue to build out this community, you know, one person, one conversation at a time. Right. Thanks so much, man. Absolutely. Take care. All right. That's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media, and you can visit us at Decentral.io. And remember, only you can prevent and fend off Big Brother. <laughs>